Well, take away their food for a week. Find out how good you're really doing. I challenge you. Man, I'll, I'll just testify. For years of my life, I struggled to fast. It was always something that I, I wanted to do. It was like, I wanted to do this. I see the spiritual benefits of this. I want to do it. I, I declare a fast. I would have the, the things that I'm really going after for breakthrough or whatever. By lunchtime, I'm like, I'm going to the nearest spot and getting some food and eating it like a freak. I struggled like that for years. I wanted to. Then I got to a place where it's was like, okay, yeah, I will. There was a difference. There was a change in my heart. It's like, now I, I will. I, I, I'm gonna, same thing, the struggle. And this last season, beginning of this year, it was no longer I want to or I will. God said, you have to. You have to. Because you're hitting this wall and you're bouncing back. You're hitting this wall and bouncing back. Drastic times call for drastic measures. And one of those ways that we do, and I'm not going to preach on fasting tonight, I don't know, think, but this is just a little extra that I'm putting in here. Because God's called us to something. And God's called us to be living outside of ourselves. Amen? It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the expectation. Christ placed himself on the inside of you for the purpose. He expects to manifest his glory in your life, everywhere you're at. That was an investment that he made in you and I. Every single one of us, he invested himself on the inside of you for a purpose. It wasn't so we could just feel good and have God bumps and, and roll around on the floor and laugh and cry. God bumps are cool, laughing and rolling around. That's all cool and stuff too, but there's a purpose for it. That's him working in you so he can work through you. And when you get to a point where you're just done with smacking up against the wall and bouncing back, I take two steps forward, hit the wall, and bounce three steps back. You got to do something different. You got to come in agreement with God and say, I'm not going to do this no more, God. I ask you for your grace. And maybe it's not fasting food for a week. Maybe it's fasting Netflix for, 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 for a week. Abstaining for the stuff that is taking the place where God belongs. Because when you remove all that junk, stuff is just so much more simple, so much more clear. You really just realize, like, wow, it's really this easy. So for years of my Christian life, I've always wanted to fast. I, I, I will fast. I had this desire to, but I could never come across it. This year, God made it a priority. It was desperation in my heart. I had to. I declared a fast. Went for, went for several days in a row. And it was easy. There was grace on it. That was the first one. That was like the grace. Because it's not that easy every single time, I promise you. <laughs> So I had that breakthrough, and now I'm looking at like all, right. all this extra time where I'm not watching YouTube videos or playing a video game or, or preparing food. How many of you guys know how much time it makes to prepare a meal? Yeah. I mean, sometimes you're in the kitchen for like an hour, and then you've got to clean up. And then you sit down and turn on a YouTube video and eat for 20 minutes or whatever. It takes up a big part of our lives. But when all of that stuff is just pushed to the side and you're sitting there with your Bible, with your notebook, and you can put on some preaching videos, you know, um, but you're really just focusing on the Lord and worship and prayer and, and, and just soaking in the word and you get that breakthrough. It's awesome because drastic times call for drastic measures. If you're tired of bumping into a wall, you got to do something different. Einstein, who was a pretty smart man according to the world, said the definition of insanity 
is to continue to do the same thing and expect a different result. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So drastic times call for drastic measures. You know, I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight, so I'm mostly talking to people online tonight. Because y'all are the hungry ones. Y'all are the thirsty ones. I know all y'all. But God is good. Amen. Thank you, Father. God, we honor you so much more than anything else, God. We just, we're so grateful for who you are, that you revealed yourself to us, Father, that you caused the light of your glorious gospel to shine in our dark hearts and made us alive, became alive in you, oh God. We thank you. We thank you so much for revealing your heart and your will and your mind to us, God, that these things are not hidden from us like they were in previous generations before your presence, before your spirit. God, thank you. God, that you've entrusted us with the mysteries of the gospel, that you've handed us these things to reach and teach and to preach each other, Father, in the world. Thank you for this honor, God. Thank you for this privilege that we wouldn't take it lightly. But, God, we would esteem. We would esteem each and every call that you've given us, Father. In the name of Jesus, God, we love you. We honor you. God, we just declare that how hungry we are. Just tell them how hungry you are tonight. Tell them, Father, we just declare how hungry we are for you, how thirsty we are for you. God, we don't want religion. We don't want man's traditions. We don't want handing down doctrines of demons and teachings of men, God. We want you. We want your heart. We want your mind. We want your will birthed in us, God. We want to become pregnant with heaven. We want to give birth to heaven and the earth, oh God. Thank you for having your way in us. We submit ourselves to your word. We submit ourselves to your spirit, oh God. And we say, come and have your way with us, God. That there would be no resistance in us. But there would be full cooperation and full participation in the hearts and minds of every person tonight. That even those who would watch online, God, that they would be captivated by your word. And that they wouldn't click in and out of the video, but they would sit down and listen to what your spirit is saying to them, God. Because it's your spirit. It's your spirit. It's your glory. It's your grace, oh God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. So easy to just get caught up. So easy to just get caught up. Hallelujah. And at atmospheres like this place that we have here, the River Northwest, where nothing means more, nothing gets in the way of God's glory, His presence. It's so easy to get caught up. But we need to learn how to take that with us. You know, the church is a great training ground. Amen. Amen. There's a lot of freedom. There's grace. There's liberty. There's a corporate anointing here that will help you break through in areas where you might not necessarily be able to break through as easily. But we got to learn how to partake like this in our living room, in our cars. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Take a drink. <laughs> oh, bless God. I think I got the I think I got the clearance to leave the runway. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. So I was studying a little bit before church on Sunday, came across a group of scriptures and kind of blew up in my heart. And then Pastor Pastor so graciously asked me on Sunday. <laughs> on Sunday, gave me a few days to prepare. Sometimes I wonder if it's good to have, because he just kind of almost overstudy. And you're just like, oh my God, now I got a Bible school class. But Pastor asked me to minister tonight, and obviously I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Um, but I want to say this before we get started. What I get from the Lord a lot of times, because I'm a son, I believe that I'm a maturing son, definitely not a baby. Um, but it can be a little, you know, it's, it's, it's solid food. It'll, it'll challenge you. It'll challenge your heart. It'll challenge your life right where you're at. But how many guys know who the Lord loves? He corrects. Right. Amen. Amen. And I think that, you know, and I'm sure pastor can agree too with the heart of a pastor that, that, that as much as we love all the other stuff, it's so important to have the correction brought with love Amen. so we can be. Because correction isn't rejection, it's direction unto perfection. Amen? Amen. Amen. Like when, correction should never bring rejection to where you're in bondage. That's religion. There's no spirit there. You know, and and sometimes you need to change the way you're hearing stuff too, though. Because sometimes people have this thing where all correction is bad, and that's not the truth. God loves us. We're not bastards. Amen? Amen. We have a Father who loves us. And you have pastors who love you too, so... When I study and prepare this, my, my endeavor and the purpose of my heart is really, God, what can I share to really help strengthen everybody? Amen? That's really my heart. So with that, we're going to go ahead and go to Ephesians chapter 4. And I encourage you, even if you've read these scriptures a hundred times, read them 101 times with us. It's really good to have your eyes rest on the scriptures. Even as you hear them, it's important. I highly recommend physical Bibles, but uh, tablets and phones work too. So, in verse 11, and he, capital he, that's Jesus, gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. Everybody say, for the equipping of the saints. saints. And I have an awesome Bible here. It's the, the Spirit. Spirit-filled life Bible, and there's a really good word wealth thing here, and it says making a making fit. So our jobs as, as fivefold ministry pastors in, included is to make you guys fit. Amen. To prepare, there's a preparing or training. We give you opportunities to serve and, and to step out in graces and places. Amen. Amen. Within the within the the safe confines of the church house to take it outside. Amen perfecting, making fully qualified for service. Part of equipping is making you fully qualified for service. And I like this part right here because I've just brought out a whole nother light. In classical language, the word is used for setting a bone during surgery. Just think about that for a second. I would say say law, but everybody's going to say law, so. (laughs) Maybe if I say see law. See law. Can you still say say law? 
But in classical language, the word is used for setting a bone during surgery. So part of the, the, the equipping of the saints is when there is that Holy Ghost surgery that's happening even now in the presence of God, where you're under the anesthesia of, of, the, of the Lord. Amen. That God can take the fivefold ministry gift because there's a surgery happening and set that bone that needs to be back in place. And a lot of times we don't even know. We don't even have any idea what's going on. And that's a good thing in some regards. You just know that something happened, that God did something. And I believe that it's that setting of the bone. The great physician is now making all the necessary adjustments so the church will not be out of joint. It's so important that we, sub- we submit ourselves to the gifts that the Lord Jesus has given us and submit ourselves to the surgery that needs to happen in our lives. A lot of us come from straight up broken, busted backgrounds. Some of us have been beat up by religion. You know, and I don't care. Some people have grown up in the church. Everybody needs some good old-fashioned Holy Ghost surgery. Everybody needs to lay out on the, on, the, on the table of the Lord and say, Search my heart, O God. Search my heart, O God, that there be no unclean thing in me. Amen? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ... Our whole purpose is to build up, to prepare, to make fit the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Listen, if your purpose in life is anything less than becoming a perfect man, Becoming the fullness of the stature of Christ. You're not doing this thing right. I promise you. Our life's heartbeat should be, God, I want to look just like you. God, I want to have the testimony that Jesus had. That I only do those things I see my father do. I only say those things I hear my father say. That my teachings and my doctrines are not my own. But they were given to me from the father. Amen. That should be our heartbeat in life. Amen. To become a a person who has fully matured to the fullness of the stature of Christ. When we all have that perspective, when we all have that goal in mind, that's the unity of the faith. We're not going to agree on every single sediment. We're not going to agree on every single issue of semantics. I was talking to a brother recently about the whole, about the Trinity, their apostolic and I guess they believe in Jesus only or one. I don't know what it was. But he's like, you guys believe in the Trinity? I'm like, absolutely. But the way how he asked me, he wasn't challenging me or nothing, right? Um, he's a good, good friend of mine. I love him. I'm like, wait, do you guys not believe in the Trinity? He's like, no. I'm like, okay. Hmm. So do you believe that God the Father is God? He said, yeah. Do you believe God the Holy Spirit's God? He said, yeah. What about Jesus? Is Jesus God? He's like, yeah. Bro, we're saying the same thing. Like, why are we in a disagreement over semantics, over vocabulary? The unity of the faith isn't about vocabulary. The unity of the faith is when we are fully laid down lives, surrendered unto the Lord, living for the purpose of becoming a man, looking like Jesus every single day in every single way. To, To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
verse 14, that we should no longer be children, that we should no longer be children. It's time to grow up, even our young folks. It's time to grow up. It's never too, it's never too early. It's never too late. Ain't that right, brother? Never too late. Never too early to live a life full of God, to live a life on fire, because there is no other way. There is no other way. I'm sorry if a church down the road doesn't agree, but the Bible says differently. That's right. We get off track, we go down that road. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. That's what happens. You get tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. So there's so many things in life that will just toss you yeah. around. How many of you guys have been there before? I know I have. Stuff comes up out of nowhere. And you're like, whoa, what happened? You're way over here not getting smacked around, tossed around. You know, sometimes there's trials and tribulations and circumstances and all types of things you got to persevere through. Sometimes it's just straight up, yep, 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 yep. Come on. Sometimes it's yeah. on you. But the point is, is that we are no longer children tossed Hallelujah. back and forth. That we are a man, a woman of God who is mature Hallelujah. to the fullness of the stature of Christ. That's the benchmark. That's the standard. That's where we belong. And we should be living from there, exceeding that standard. Amen? Amen. The cunning craftiness and deceitfulness plotting. You know, I've been listening to a lot of Rick Renner lately, man. That, that guy's, a, oh my gosh, dude. He's like a walking Greek dictionary, like encyclopedia. I mean, he could take one section of scriptures, but he's, I've been listening to some stuff in like Ephesians chapter six, where it's talking about principalities and powers and, and, and wickedness and stuff like that. And, and how much, and it's, we don't focus on this. Amen. We don't, we focus on Jesus. We look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. But he talks about how there is a, a, a lot of strategy implemented by the enemy to go after specific things on families and, and, and things like that. So there is a craftiness. There is a deceitful plotting that, that is against us. And the only the only fix for that is there's mercy. God can have mercy on you. And the second one is just to grow up. That's right. Get out of the stinky Amen. diapers. Amen. Quit eating bottle caps and bubble gum off the ground. Yeah. You got to grow up. Amen. Amen. We got to grow up. That's right. We don't want to be shaken and taken all over the place where we don't want to go. Driven by every single wind and wave that comes along. Come on, somebody. This is our inheritance. This is our heritage. This is who we are. We're not talking about something that we can't apprehend. This is something that belongs to us. Fifteen, but everybody say but. but. It's a good but. Speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head. May grow up into all things and into Him Him who is the head. Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together. Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Listen, your supply in the Spirit is so important in the house of God. Every single one of you, you have 
You know, you say, well, I don't do much. Well, come with your hunger. Come with your thirst. Come expecting God to do a work in your heart and life. Next thing you know, you'll find yourself doing something a little bit more productive in the house of God. You'll find yourself being more of a blessing in the house of God. Amen. You will find yourself. Amen. Because you have a supply. Everybody say, I have a supply. I have a supply. Joined in it together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of the self in love. This I say, verse 17. And testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. The futility of their mind having their understandings darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts. Amen? Amen. That we would no longer walk like that. Even as Christians, we can yield over to that perspective, over to that way of life, because that's the way we were originally trained. That was the original school that we grew, grew up in. And that's all around us all the time. So it's so important that we get God's perspective on life. Amen? Amen. Now we're going to get into some meat of what we're going to share on tonight. We're going to go to Luke chapter 7. This is where I was reading on Sunday morning, and it just kind of really blew up on me. Hallelujah. Lord, help me. Everybody say, I am. I am. Hungry. Hungry. For truth. truth. I am. I am. Hungry. To grow. Me too. Hallelujah. So we'll start here at verse 16 in Luke chapter 7. And a lot happened before this here. I mean, my title says Jesus heals the centurion servant. Jesus raises the son of the widow of Nain. And now, verse 18, John the Baptist sends the messengers to Jesus. Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. The disciples are reporting to John who's in prison. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Verse 20, And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? You know, and I wrote this down as I was studying this. I mean, first, let's talk about a little bit of back story here. We know that um, John's mom, what was her name? I want to say Amanda. It wasn't Amanda. Elizabeth, yeah, sorry. Elizabeth, who was past the age of, of giving, giving birth or being pregnant, miraculously got pregnant by God. At six months being pregnant, Mary enters into the picture. They come into contact. The baby leaps on the inside of her, which is John. Filled with the Holy Spirit from that point, became a Nazarite the rest of his life. Amen? Here's one in the wilderness crying out, preparing the way for the Lord. Repentance. Amen? And God spoke to him. The one who you see the Spirit descending upon and not leaving is the one. So this is, this is John the Baptist we're talking about, who baptized Jesus in the, in the river and seen the Spirit descending upon him. And it even says that he, he bore witness. John bore witness that he heard the voice of God say, this is, my, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So this is the same person who's now in prison, okay? Imminent death. He knows. I'm sure he knew. I'm sure he knew that what was coming. But now, 
he's sending out his disciples. After hearing all these things, he's in this dark place of imminent doom and his life is, is pretty much over. And he tells them to go ask and say, are you the coming one? And I wrote this down. The coming one, the idea that they had of what their Messiah would be and do. That's the coming one. You know, they were all thinking that the Messiah is going to come and this is what he's going to look like and he's going to do this and he's going to set up the kingdom and it's going to be awesome. We're going to rejoice, praise Yahweh. You know, like they had this idea that they, that, of what they had with their Messiah would be like. So that's the coming one. Are you the coming one or are we looking for another? And this one another, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, someone else. Are we looking for somebody else who's actually going to fulfill and do what we and perform what we want. Yeah. It's putting God in a box. Yeah. Yeah. Is, are we looking for somebody else who's going to do what we think, what we want, our ideas, our plans, and our purposes? You know, and the Lord really started speaking to me about expectations. Expectations are an amazing tool. They're amazing strength. Let's just go here. Proverbs chapter 13. We'll go there first. We're coming back to Luke chapter 7. That's going to be kind of our text scripture for tonight. You still hungry? Yeah. Still thirsty? Yes. Say, bring it, Lord. Bring it, Lord. Bring it, Lord. <laughs> bring it <all>. yeah. <laughs> God, we, we just crave your correction and your, your, your love, God, because there's nobody else who can do with our hearts and lives like you can. In verse 10 of Proverbs chapter 13, it says, by pride comes nothing but strife. I was originally just going to talk about verse 12 here, but then I went up a couple because I usually do that. I'm usually trying to get a good contextual picture of what's happening in the word before I jump right in the middle. But I found it interesting that by pride comes nothing but strife. It is so important that we when we, when, we, when we come unto the Lord or when, we, when we're sitting in a service like this and somebody's ministering the word, that we have no pride in us, Amen. that we're just completely transparent, completely vulnerable before God and his word and spirit. Mm-hmm. Amen? Because when you, when, you, when, you, when you have pride and something comes at you from the Lord, it's just going to create strife. Like, oh, who does he think he is? I've seen him do that over there. Listen, y'all know me. I ain't perfect. But I got to tell you one thing I've told you before. I'm going to tell you again. This is the worst condition you'll ever see me in right here. This is the worst you'll ever see me because tomorrow I'm going to grow and be more like him. Tomorrow I'm going to be grow. I'm going to be more like him and smell like him and walk like him and talk like him. So we don't want to have that pride built up and creating strife and things in our heart. A lot of times it's really subtle. We need to become sensitive and aware to what's actually on the inside of us. That's so important that we are sensitive and aware of what's actually happening on the inside of us. But with the well-advised is wisdom. Verse 11, wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. Now, verse 12, this is what we really wanted to get to. All that's good, though, too. Amen? (laughs) Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Everybody say that. Hope Hope deferred deferred makes the heart sick. And when I seen this picture of John the Baptist in the prison cell, I just seen him like his hope was deferred. His hope was put off. 
And listen, you know, I, we talk about this a lot, but I'm going to say it again because I grew up trained by the world with this false idea of what hope is. For me, when I grew up, it was like, I really hope I get this. It was like a wishy. There's no substance to it. Right? How many of you guys know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's like, like, I really hope this happens. Like, oh, my gosh, it would be so awesome. You even daydream about stuff, you know, because you're hoping. But the Bible, everybody say the Bible. The Bible, the Bible has much, much more stronger language when it comes to hope. It means joyful, confident expectation. And even in the Old Testament, I went and looked. Expectation is one of the one of the two words for hope in the Old Testament. So when we talk about hope, we're talking about our expectation. We're talking about what and we know the faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is a substance of things that we are expecting. Amen. That we're joyfully, confidently expecting. Amen. So when John's expectation was put off, when John's expectation was postponed because of what he was experiencing, because of what he thought was supposed to happen didn't happen, his heart became sick. And I know that this can happen to us. It's happened to me. And I, you know, and I'll say this in a house of God like this, it's difficult to get in this position because you're going to be provoked. You're going to be challenged. You're going to have hands laid on you. You're going to have the Holy Ghost falling. You're going to be rolling around in here. God's going to be setting bones in you during surgery and you ain't know this stuff's happening, but it's still possible. It is still possible to have your expectation postponed or put off or deferred and have your heart become sick. And what happens is a lot of times people are even unaware of these things. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. When we continue to just expect what God has for us, no matter what it looks like, what it sounds like, if it doesn't fit into our box, a lot of times we want to compartmentalize God. A lot of times we want to put a stereotype on God. A lot of times we want to categorize God of like, God, you did this for this person over here. You should do this the same way for me here. If God's done it 500 different ways, he'll do it 501 different ways. He is not limited like we are. Amen? We cannot put him in a box. Because when we do, it'll cause our hope our expectation to become deferred and it'll cause our hearts to become sick. Sick. Ah. But when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. Tree of life. Everybody say tree of life. life. Back to Matthew, or not Matthew, sorry. Luke 7. Thank you, Lord. Verse 21, in that very hour, he cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. He's doing this in front of the disciples that John sent, demonstrating who he is. Amen. Verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, go, tell John the things you've seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the leopards are cleansed, the deaf hear, the, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. I mean, this is like Isaiah prophecy of the Messiah. They knew what this meant. Yeah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Yeah. He even stood, in the syn- stood up in the synagogue and sat down in the chair when he declared this. Yeah. 
And this is what really blew up on me on Sunday morning and has really challenged me this week. Verse 23. I'm going to read this in the Amplify Classic. It's a little bit more loud. I like it. And for this, I will use my phone. But what does he say? Read it. Blessed is he... Hallelujah. Verse 23 in the Amplified Classic. And blessed, happy with life, with joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation apart from outward conditions. Man, that's so good. And to be envied is he who takes no offense in me and who is not hurt or resentful or annoyed or repelled, or made to stumble at whatever may occur. See, John was in a position where he was tested. I mean, like, mortally tested. And what happened is, I believe that his heart got sick. Because of his expectations being deferred. Let's roll over here to Proverbs, uh, Psalm 62 real quick. And then we're coming right back. Is this helping anybody tonight? Yes. We're, we're just getting into this thing. I'm, I'm going to ask the Lord to help me. Proverbs 62 verses 5 through 8. My soul waits silently for God alone. It's so important to just learn to just shut up. Turn stuff off, man, I promise you. Like, and that's why I... I mean, we got stuff vibrating, buzzing, flashing. People knocking on the door. You know, like, I mean, it's just like... We got to learn to just posture ourselves together and w- with God and wait silently for God alone. For my expectation is from him. Yes. David, man, I love this man. Oh, my gosh. So much revelation as a person who wasn't even born again, who didn't even have the spirit of God living on the inside of him with the new birth like we do. Has so much good revelation and understanding of how to connect with almighty God, how to draw on him for his source of life, his strength, his hope, his expectation. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. We have to learn to get before God for ourselves and get our expectation from him. Because what happens is a lot of times we're looking to the left and to the right and Jesus Christ is not in our sight. We're not looking unto him and we're seeing what's happening over here and we're like, God, I want that. And we see this over here and we're like, I want that. That belongs to me. We'll start confessing scriptures. We'll start wearing a path in the carpet and going after this thing. But have we got our soul Silent before God and got our expectation, got our hope from him. Because if not, then we're misappropriating our help, our hope. We're misappropriating the, the tool that God's given us in our expectation. And it can cause our hope to become 
our, our, our hearts to become sick because our hopes deferred. God's not going give, to give you what he gave another person the same exact way he gave it to them. Amen. It causes our hearts to become stumbled and offended at God because you, I've seen you doing this a hundred times for a for hundred different people. And it's so important that we get that expectation from God. You know, there was a point in time God called my family and I to start a business. I had no idea what I was doing. I just said, yes, Lord. I got no other options. You are my only option. So, yes, sir. We stepped out. And we did this thing, man. And a lot of testimony, a lot of miraculous things happened. We were faithful. We worked hard. You know, five-star reputation in the community on all platforms. I mean, God's so good. But there was a struggle that I was having three, four years into this business thing, and I'm running equipment that's breaking down on me on a, on a – when you're out in the field at a job and your equipment breaks on you and you're in a client's home, it's going to challenge you. <laughs> yeah, it's going to challenge you a bit. You know, you maybe, maybe even want to say something that you shouldn't say. But that's not us, Amen. I'm going to write this down. Or I wrote this down, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say it so, so I don't forget that out of every test or trial will come either a testimony or a tragedy. So everything you go through is either going to become a testimony or a tragedy. And really, it just it really is conditional on how we respond, how we go after God. Are we maturing in the things of God, and are we seeing him clearly? Amen? So here I am, equipment breaking down. And I'm observing other people because I know my, 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 my other guys in my industry. I don't even call them my competitors. I'm not in competition with them. Why would I compete with them? I don't. It's not my job. I'm in competition with me to be the best me. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. But I'm seeing so-and-so getting a brand new van and a brand new machine and all these things. And, and I'm sitting out here in the, in the dead heat of summer with equipment breaking down on me. And I'm like, God, I don't care. You know, just getting getting caught up on what they're doing or what they're getting over here. And God spoke to me. He said, you don't know their hearts. You don't know their lives. You don't know what they had to do to get that stuff. You don't know that they can't sleep at night because they can't pay their bills, that they have no peace with me. God just spoke this to me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry, God. I don't want to be offended with you. I don't want, I don't want to have... False expectations in the way that I think you're going to do something. So I got out of that. It wasn't. It didn't last long. I promise you. Like I said, when you're when you're in a house like this, man, you know it. It, it really is going to challenge you, you know, and it's going to be difficult, especially if your purpose is to grow up and be spiritually mature to the fullness of the stature of Christ. If that's your goal in seeking Him, it's going to be difficult, but it's still possible. It is still possible. But this is now a testimony because I was being tested. I was being tested. So fast forward probably about maybe six months, COVID hits. And everybody is trying to figure out what's going on with this thing. Are we, are we um, what was the word, uh, essential or non-essential? We came to the conclusion that we were non-essential. So we shut down. My wife and I were like, well, what are we going to do? Same thing we always do. Believe God. We prayed and we just said, Father, we thank you that we're just going to honor this thing right now that's being decreed from the authorities, even though we don't agree with it. But we're just going to honor you. And we're going to honor this. And we're just going to shut it down. So within probably a week or two, I get a phone call from somebody who is a maintenance supervisor who travels through a, for a, um, 
senior living center that's a corporation. So there's like a hundred different ones in, on the West Coast. And he's like, hey, can you get paint out of carpets? I'm like most, most of the time. So here I am going to a facility. Now I am, now I am essential because I'm going to this facility now. And we end up over, and I had no idea what we're getting into. No idea. We ended up making probably over, a little bit over three quarters of our annual income in, a, in like a month and a half period of time. We were cashing checks that were well over five figures every week. Now, what would have happened if I would have allowed my expectation to be deferred, my hope to be deferred, and allowed that sickness to take root in my heart? What would have happened? Not that. God would have let me sit there and struggle and try to figure it out. But like I said, he did it for all these other people so many different ways, and he came at me as a son and opened up the windows of heaven, and I'm still like in awe at it. And there's so much more to it, so much more detail we can get into it. But my point was to really just testify on what it looks like to not allow your expectation or not to allow your hope to be deferred, but to continue to get your expectation from God and put it on him and put it in him. You know, I'm looking at Roman, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, where it talks about a lot of these people died not even receiving the things that they seen in the spirit. They didn't even receive it, but yet they stayed steadfast. They kept their expectation on God, even though they never really got a chance to fill it or to taste it. They continued, and God even testifies of, of them in, 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 the, in the hall of faith. Amen? All right, let's get through this. Lord, help me. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He is my only rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Verse 7, and God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and he is, and my refuge is in God. Verse 8, trust in him at all times, you people. Trust in him at all times. Even when you feel like what you think you should be experiencing or what you should have, you're not having it. You need to correct your course. You need to correct your heart. Amen. You need to correct your soul. And David said, I correct my soul with fasting. Fasting is a good way to right back in there. Handle it. Trust in him at all times, you people. Everybody say, I will trust in him at all times. I will. Get silent before the Lord and get my expectation from him and him alone. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Pour out your hearts. I love Bobby, man. When she gets up here and ministers, she just, she's so transparent, even if it's a little messy. But we need to be like that before God. Sometimes you just got to get down there and be like, God, I don't know what's going on, but I know it ain't right. I'm going to get myself before you, and I'm going to pour out my heart before you because you're my refuge. You are my hope. You are my expectation. We cannot stereotype God. We cannot put him in a box. It's so important that we live free of that. All right, back to 
Luke chapter 7. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Bless God. (laughs) Verse 23 again. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And this word offense, I have another note in my awesome Bible here, word wealth. Um, Where are you? Oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. How did I do that? So there's also a parallel to this in Matthew chapter 11. An offended scandalosio, sounds a lot like scandal, um, to put a snare or a stumbling block in the way. See, a lot of times what happens is we put these unhealthy, unnecessary restrictions and obligations on God that didn't come from him in the first place, and that is the bait stick. That is the piece on the thing there. When you go to pick it, the box falls on you and you're trapped. To put a snare or a stumbling block in the way, the noun to which is related referred to the bait stick of a trap. In the New Testament, scandalizio or whatever the word is there, is always used metaphorically of that which hinders right conduct or thought. It hinders your right conduct or thought. And it's a cause to stumble. Blessed, happy with life, happy with joy and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, apart from outward conditions, apart from outward conditions. Is he who takes no offense in me and he who is not hurt or resentful or annoyed or repelled, or made to stumble in whatever may occur. Blessed. This is so powerful, and I've really never heard this preached before, and and I'm preaching this as I tremble because I know it's a topic that can really challenge us to our very core because there's so many things that we put expectations on that could become unhealthy, that can cause our hearts to become sick. Because they didn't originally come from God. We want them. We desire them. And God says in Psalms chapter 37, 4, that delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. And then he says in the next verse, commit your ways unto the Lord, and he'll bring them to the path. So we have these desires in our heart, but the problem is, is we want to we want to tell God how to do his job. And how many of you guys know that God, there ain't nothing wrong with God? nothing that he is perfect in all of his judgment he's perfect in all that he does that there is no shadow of turning in him so when we're not seeing what we feel like we should see or what we have we don't we don't have what we feel like we should have it's never him it's never him we need to deal with our soul we need to deal with our mind and we need to put our heart on the altar of God and allow the one who is perfect to come in and do what only he can do because it is so easy to become sincere but sincerely wrong. There's people who are riding their bicycles to hell. They're sincere. They'll die on that mountain, but they're wrong. Not because I said it, but because the word says it. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And when the messengers, verse 24, of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. Now he's addressing the people who are, I believe a lot of the people were 
they, they received John as the prophet. And they had reverence for him. They respected him. We know that. So now Jesus is turning and addressing them because he's sending a message back to John. And I could just, I could just picture John when they brought back message of all this stuff is, that Jesus is doing and then Jesus telling them, bro, don't be offended at me. Amen. I could just see the look on his face like, because that truth goes in and penetrates and cuts and heals and causes light and understanding, even in the darkest prison cell that he may have been in. And I believe that he managed to get his heart right. And I believe that he remembered all those things that had happened. And I believe that he repented over the fact that he didn't line up to my thought pattern of what he should have been. And Jesus said, I'm only doing, blesses he who's not offended of me. This is me, y'all. This is Jesus talking. This is me. This is what I'm doing. And I'm only doing what I see my father doing. I'm only speaking what I hear my father speaking. Amen? Don't be offended in me. And when John came to the realization of that, I believe he repented. That truth set him free. Amen? Amen. But now he's addressing the crowd, the, the crowd of people. And he said, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? You know, it's very important, and I, and I believe that we should all examine ourselves, like it tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, to examine ourselves, that we, whether or not we be in the faith. Yeah. You know, if there is an offense in our hearts towards God, yeah. it's so important that we repent of that thing and allow him to come in yeah. and heal but there's an unhealthy expectation we can put on people that can cause an offense. Yep. There's an unhealthy expectation that we can put on the house of God or our, our, our leaders that can bring an offense. Yeah. And we don't want to be an offense and we don't want to be offended. Trust me, there is nothing you no nothing we want to do with offense. I remember, I think it was in Luke also somewhere, Jesus was talking about Whoa, uh, you know, it's impossible the offenses come. It's going to happen. But woe unto them who they come through. Yep. He says it is better that a millstone be hung around their neck and thrown off a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> That's rough language, y'all, yeah. to, be, to be a cause of an offense for somebody. Yeah. Amen. And a lot of times we, we, we have this idea what something's supposed to do or something's supposed to look like. Jesus said, what, we, what you, you wanted to see a reed shaking? You know, you think the spirit's blowing, so we're, this is what's going to happen? We have this expectation. We have this box that this stuff's got to fit in. No. But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously appareled, page turn, and live in luxury or in the king's courts. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those born of women, that there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So he's really dealing with the expectations of people. Like, man, quit worrying about the package. Don't worry about what the box looks like and the wrapping paper and the bow. If it's got your name on it, just take it and receive it. Go after it. Well, I don't like that color, that color of wrapping paper. Well, grow up. 
And when the, verse 29, and when, the, when all the people heard him, even tax collector, collectors, collectors, sorry, justified, God having been baptized uh, with the baptism of John, but the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves. Why? Because it didn't fit their beliefs and their patterns and, and their box. Not having been baptized by him, verse 31, and the Lord said, to what then shall we liken the men of this generation? And what are they like? They're like the children sitting in the marketplace calling to one another, saying, we played the flute for you, but you didn't dance. We mourned to you, and you did not weep. I like the way that this is worded in the Amplified Classic. Let me read that again real quick. Verse 31. So to what shall I compare the men of this generation, and what are they like? They are like little children sitting in the marketplace. The men of this generation are like little children sitting in the marketplace. Calling to one another, saying, We piped to you playing a wedding tune, and you did not dance. Because I did this, now you're supposed to do this. Why didn't you do what I was expecting you to do or what I wanted you to do? Giving yourself a highway or a landing for a plane of offense to land. We sang a dirge and wailed playing funeral music and you did not weep once again. We did this, how come you didn't do that? We cannot chain each other down with our expectations for one another. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that even though we knew Jesus after the flesh, yet we know him no longer after the flesh. No, no man after the flesh. No, no man after the flesh. I challenge you to start looking at your brothers and sisters the way that God sees them. Look at yourself that way too. When you look in the mirror and just start complimenting Jesus about his eyes. Amen. It's a healthy way to live. <laughs> It'll definitely put your focus and your perspective in on him. Amen. Verse 33, for John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking wine, and you, may, you said he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you said, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by all her children. So our expectations can cause your breakthrough, or our expectations can try to break you through offense. I'm going to say that again. Your expectations. Everybody say my expectations. My expectations. Your expectations can cause your breakthrough. We know that if we get our hope from God, we see it in the word, and it's, it's ours, it's a promise, you know, that, that we, we, we grab a hold of that thing, and it can cause a breakthrough. We can see miracles. We can see breakthroughs. Amen. But your expectation that is misappropriated can try to break you through an offense. Well, so-and-so didn't do this, and I did this. Now I'm offended. And listen, it's not always blatant. It's not always just forward out there, but sometimes it's a little thing. But those little things add up, and we really need to be vulnerable before God and allow him to search us. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So I wrote some more things down. I'm just going to read them because I took the time to write them down. Y'all can listen. 
<laughs> so when do offenses happen? You know, and this this goes for God. Some of them, mostly God, you know, and some are for people. But offenses happen when someone or God doesn't do what you want them to. We're not that important. I mean, we're, we're, we're very valuable in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. But the world doesn't rotate around us. Amen. We need to live a life of humility and prefer one another as better than ourselves. That will, that will eliminate a lot of offense. Amen. As when we don't put our expectation on another person and what they may do or may not do. Because that is creating a bait stick trap for somebody to grab that and now you're trapped. So when somebody doesn't do what you want them to, or when or when you want it, they didn't do it, God didn't do it when you wanted them to do it. Now you're offended because power bills late, power got shut off. I've been there, done that. Not no more, though. Amen? That's good. God didn't come through. Well, <laughs> you better check your heart at, at the door with God. Amen? When you want it. Or how you want it. God didn't do it the way I wanted him to do it. I had it in my mind that this is exactly how it was going to go down. Or I had it in my mind that so-and-so was going to do this. And it didn't go down that way. And now I'm offended. And like I said, I'm being a little bit exaggerated on that. Because a lot, a lot of times, I'd say 90% of the time, it's a lot more subtle. It's a lot less dramatic and exaggerated in offense. But nevertheless, it is something that we need to put on the altar and let God burn it up. Because we don't want any root of bitterness in us. It'll spring up and offend many. Mm -hmm. We are accountable and responsible for the ground of our hearts. The Bible says in Proverbs to guard your heart with all diligence. All diligence. Yeah. If you do nothing else, guard your heart. Because out of it flows the issues of life. People get offended a lot of times with God, mostly at tragedy. Something happens. Auntie so-and-so passed away of cancer, and she loved Jesus, and how come God didn't heal her? And There's so many answers to that. You know, but really the issue is the heart of not being offended. Godly figure falls into sin. We've seen this happen, unfortunately, a lot of times. Causes of my, my grandpa still speaks of one person back in the 70s who was begging for money and declared that if they didn't receive this amount of money that they were going to die. God told them this, and my grandpa... He brings that up every once in a while. Offended because of a, and that person did later on, I think, fall. Not as dramatic as some, but he had his scandals and stuff. So, you know, godly figures fall in the sink and cause, cause some offense in your heart. Church not accommodating everything you want. That's a big one. You know, well, yeah. Wickedness seemingly to prevail. You know, a lot of times we see these wars and things and we're thinking in our head with all the humanitarians over there being murdered and all these things. And we're like, like, why? If God's such a good God, why would he allow this to happen? Don't allow your hearts to be offended. God has an answer for that. Shoot, I can give you about five for each one of these things right here, but I'm not going to take the time to do that because that is not the issue. Jesus never, you, you, there's a scripture, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but the people came to Jesus and started telling him about how Pilate was mixing the blood uh, of the offerings and whatnot, which was, was, was a disgrace, you know, and then how this tower fell on these people. And he said, do you think these people are more wicked than you? 
He didn't, he didn't talk about the problem or the issue or the fruit. He talked about the root, and the root is the heart of man. He said, unless you repent, unless you repent, we got to deal with our own hearts because we are responsible and accountable for that. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's go here. We're getting close. You guys still with me? Hebrews chapter 6. I had to really sacrifice and just cut into this thing here because it's all so good. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17, we'll start. Thus, God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise. Gosh, so good. God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the immutability of, This word immutability means the unchangeableness of his purpose. God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose, of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, that we might have strong consolation. Sounds a lot like expectation. That we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. See, now we're talking about the right perspective for our expectations. Now we're talking about going after this thing with the right focus and purpose. Amen? Amen. Going after God for our expectations. We don't want to be like John the Baptist before I believe he repented. We don't have any scriptural basis for it, but I'm pretty sure the, the truth spoke. The, the truth, the way, the truth, the life spoke. <laughs> and I believe he got made free. Amen. But now, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Our hope in God is the anchor of our soul. It keeps us from being tossed to and fro by everything around us, everything going on, stuff that that is not going on that we think that should be going on. It's our, our expectation in God keeps us, tethers us, keeps us safe. You think about a boat with no anchor in a storm. It's going to be tragic. In that time of test or trial, there's not going to be a lot of a testimony unless it's supernatural and miraculous. But God gave somebody the idea to put an anchor on a boat for a reason. (laughs) And so in the middle of a test or a trial or a storm, that there is a testimony. My anchor held. With no anchor, you just got a tragedy. You got a broken boat washed up. Even the Apostle Paul experienced that when that storm. But that came, became a testimony all in itself. Why? Because he continued to keep his expectation in God. Yeah. This hope, verse 19 again, we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. You can know that you know that you know because we have the immutability of God. That there is no inconsistency. There is no shadow or shifting or changing in him. And that he cannot lie. I think it's 2 Thessalonians 3, 
verse 13-ish in there that says that even if we are faithless, God remains faithful. God remains faithful to his word. God remains faithful to his promise. And if we're not seeing and experiencing it, he is not the problem or the breakdown. It's us. We need to govern. We need to realign our expectations and what we're putting in because we are... We are a result of what we are expecting already. That's a fact. What we have or what we don't have is a result of what we're expecting. There's seed time and harvest as well. So there's stuff coming. Look at your neighbor and say, there's something coming for you. There's something from the Lord coming for you. Amen. God's got something for you. You, you put your hope in him. And your expectation comes from him. It's coming. It's coming. You could be sure and you could be steadfast in that. And you can persevere in the waves and the winds and the rain in the face. You can persevere in the mockings and the, and, the, and the persecutions of people thinking that you're a nutball because you're believing for something that's completely ridiculous. You can persevere because your anchor is sure and steadfast in him and what his hope, his expectation is that you've received from him. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast and which enters into the presence behind the veil. (laughs) Our expectation enters in to the presence behind the veil, the holiest of holies. You get your expectation from your fellowship and communion with God Almighty. That was his plan. It pleases him that we can come to him and pour our hearts out before him. And receive our expectations from him. It was his idea. It was his plan. His purpose. This isn't my doctrine. This isn't my ideas and my beliefs. This is the Bible. Then this is eternal life. To know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. That's eternal life. To have a relationship with God Almighty. We need to get before God. And allow our expectations to go into that holiest place of all and receive whatever it is, whatever it is. And allow that to be the sure and steadfast thing in our lives. That no matter what we see, no matter what we don't see, we continue to expect God because he cannot lie. He cannot change. He's perfect. And even if we leave this earth without seeing that thing, he's still perfect. He's still faithful. There are many people who have left this earth believing God for things that they didn't experience. And I'm promising you, you ain't taking no offense with God in the heaven. You ain't taking no offense with your brothers and sisters in the heaven either. So this is something, thank God. Everybody say, thank God. We have time now to deal with these things. We have time now to allow God to help us because he is the only one. He is the only one. Listen, you can come to pastors and they'll pour godly wisdom in you and pray with you. And I believe that there's an anointing and there's grace to equip you and to help set those bones and stuff. But ultimately, God has got to be your source. The, the, that, that thing that's behind the veil. See, there was a veil there in the Old Testament that separated everything else. It was the most holiest of holies. It was the very presence of God, the place where God was residing with men in that day. We need to get to that place. 
to have that expectation fixed. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and enters, which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 1. Everybody knows this scripture. This is a good one. They're all good. <laughs> Once again, I'm just going to jump right into all of this for the purpose of declaring expectation, what God's expectation is. Verse 27, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery of the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the joyful, confident expectation of glory. We get so concerned with stuff expectations not being fulfilled or we're looking off here to this direction, looking off that direction and we really need to be focused on what our hope should be. What God's given us and the fact that God has placed himself on the inside of us is an investment to manifest his heart, will, and mind everywhere we go. It's Christ in you. It's the anointing in you. It's the anointed one and his anointing in you. For the expectation of glory. The whole reason for everything. The new birth. Us being here on the earth. Us receiving of his word. Is to get so filled and flooded with God himself. That we manifest his presence. We manifest his will. Wherever we go. That is the goal. That is the purpose. Not to be caught up and concerned about stuff man. Amen. Amen. Like we thank God for stuff, man. But I just think about some of these other nations where they're not blessed like America. You know, I believe America has a covenant with God for a lot of reasons. In the Constitution, we've the blood that was spilt on foreign lands, you know, of us sacrificing our sons and daughters and for other countries, freedom. In spite of political agendas and weirdness, God honors the heart and the sacrifice. So America has a covenant with God and we're so free that it becomes almost a curse because it's almost insatiable. It's almost never enough. You know, I think about my cell phone, like it's the newest, coolest one, you know. I believe it's not a God to me at all, but it's just, there's just a thing, like there's always more, there's always something else. We're always consuming stuff. That's not the point. I feel like in a lot of these other nations, man, they're more blessed than we are because it's so much more simple. You know, they don't have bedrooms full of junk. <laughs> you know, some of us have junk rooms. You know, some people have junk drawers, some people have junk rooms. You know, and, and that's, not, that's not the point. That's not the purpose. The point and the purpose is to get our expectations from God and live from that so we're not offended with God. Not offended with our brothers and sisters so we can live free and clear and live out Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. Live it out. Be a faithful steward of the investment of the anointing on the inside of you. 
to steward what God has given us. Christ in you, the expectation of glory. So let's just take a minute now. We're just going to pray in the Holy Ghost. If you can put up 2 Corinthians 13, 5, please, just so we can rest our eyes on that scripture. Because, you know, we've talked a lot about this tonight, and I just want to make sure that we are aware of ourselves. You know, Father, we just ask you right now, Holy Spirit, we honor your ministry. We honor your position in our lives. You are Lord. You are the governing authority in our lives and our very existence. You are absolute and ultimate truth. We yield to you. We yield to you. We surrender ourselves and our hearts and our lives to you, God, with not holding anything behind, not holding a hand behind the back, but we have both hands stretched out towards you, oh God. And we ask with your perfect eyes that you would search us, oh God. And just tell them in your own way to search me, oh God. The Bible tells us to examine yourselves. That word examine is intense scrutinize comb with a fine tooth comb make sure there's no imperfections examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith to test yourselves God we present our hearts to you Lord we don't want to be an offense towards you help us Help us, oh God. Lord, that there be no joint out of place. God, that there be no thing in our hearts hidden. And if you have something that God is bringing aware to you, just offer that up to you. We don't need, necessarily need to have a prayer line or nothing. This is something you can do between you and him. But I promise you there's a breakthrough. There's a breakthrough when you release God of unnecessary expectations. When you release your brothers and your sisters of unnecessary expectations. There's a breakthrough that can happen. There's a breakthrough that will happen. Because you're no longer allowing yourself to be governed by what somebody else is or isn't doing. And you can live free and you can live clear of that thing, of those things. And you can experience the blessing of having Christ in you, the expectation of glory. Father, we just expose our hearts to you, God, with no resistance. We ask you to search us. Father, we have no desire to be in an opposition of you, whether openly or even unknowingly. Forgive us, Papa. We just want to be like you. We want to see you more clearly, God. We don't want to have a slanted perspective of who you are. God, we ask you for a fresh, a fresh expectation coming from your very presence. 
the holiest place of all. God, that you would take us into that place, Father, that even in the night hour, God, you would speak to our hearts, that you would breathe on those areas, Father God, that you would cause life, life to shine forth in those areas of darkness. Even now, in the name of Jesus, God, we just declare, we just declare it, Father, that life, life will come. Life will come into the hearts and breathe into the hearts those areas where it seems like it's been dead and gone. Those areas, Father, in Jesus' name that we're, that we're surrendering to you, Father. The life and light comes and floods every single part of our hearts, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, God, we just come into agreement as touching this, that we would be a church full of you. Full, filly, flooded with God Himself. In Jesus' name, Father, thank you for a strong, healthy church that our one desire, our one goal is growing up into you, into the fullness of the stature of Christ. Thank you for your mercy and your grace and your love. We honor you with our very lives, Father. In Jesus' name, Lord, that you would take this tool that you've given us tonight and bring it to our remembrance, Father God, that we would be more guarded against expectations misappropriated. Father, in Jesus' name, we just love you, we honor you, we thank you for your glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for life. Thank you, Father, for life, light, liberty, all hearts set free, free, Jesus' name. <laughs> oh, you're so good. <laughs> Oh, we rejoice in your love and your goodness, God. Oh, there's nothing better. We love you, 